Bangles need only take a few minutes each day and can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So today, after the meditation, we have the opportunity to hear from Alex Ratcliffe. Those of you who have been participants in the webinar will have heard Alex a number of times here, and we're very happy to have her back. She's had a lifetime career in education, teaching English, history, geography, government, and politics. She's a lifelong student of the Ageless Wisdom teachings and maintains an esoteric, globally comprehensive website called soulfulconnections.uk. And as a writer, her articles appear in the Huffington Post UK, Thrive Global, and Everyday Mindfulness. So we look forward to hearing from you, Alex. So today, after our brief visualization, we'll sound together the mantra of unification. So before we do, let's just take a minute to focus ourselves within the group heart. Now let's visualize ourselves standing as a group in alignment with all triangles workers everywhere, forming a vast circle or sphere of light. See the world teacher standing at the center of this group heart at the hub of the wheel. Visualize the group as radiating the light from the central point. See the wheel as actively moving and scintillating and thus serving humanity through its focused radiation, which is the radiation of love. Holding the visualization, let's sound the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love.
Alex has chosen to speak today about right thinking in her presentation. It's such an important topic, for we live in a time when right thinking seems in short supply. Everywhere today we see instead the clashing of ideologies, with people cleaving to the left or to the right, each digging in and quite certain their position is true and right and that those who hold to another point of view are under the spell of glamour and illusion. In the past, these ideological battles were often limited to a particular country at a particular time. Today, the struggle is global, an incident to the planetary transition period, which is clearly also an initiatory period, both for the Logos as well as for increasing members of humanity. It's a passionate time as the sixth ray energy of devotion and idealism wanes and passes out with the dawning of the Aquarian age and the new ray energy coming in. As an energy passes out, its innate tendencies tend to become entrenched, causing the growing fanaticism no matter on what side of the ideological aisle we might find ourselves. Such times call for an ability to blend with the opposite, for a fluidity in approach that allows new light to pour in. Otherwise, crystallization can creep in, preventing us from moving forward within the evolutionary tide of energy. So let us seek to understand the position of others, to see that quite often truth lies someplace in between our position and that of those with whom we interact who might hold to a different point of view. The energy of Libra governs this transition period in planetary history, this period between the ages, which we're told is really a 500-year period transition. Libra is a mental sign, and so it is within our minds that the battle must be waged and won by holding to the midpoint where the extremes meet and blend. So no matter where we might stand, no matter where our friends might stand, we can cultivate that space within wherein we find a balance between the opposites. This enables us to release love that is a healing energy. Then, out of the crucible of present-day events, no matter where we stand, we can meet as members of the one human family and partake in the alchemical transformative work that Triangle's workers are charged with bringing forth into the world. We can hold within us the challenge held out to us in the mantra of unification. And then we become, as I said, healing agents in the world. And I'd like to share a brief story that helps illustrate this point, particularly as we shapeshift it from a story about an individual into a story about humanity as a whole. It's called the story of the two wolves. An old Cherokee chief was teaching his grandson about life. He said, a fight is going on inside me. He said, it's a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One wolf is evil. He's angry, envious, sorrowful, regretful, greedy, arrogant, full of self-pity, guilt, resentment, a sense of inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, self-doubt, and ego. 
The other wolf inside me is good. He's joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then he asked his grandfather, which wolf, which wolf will win? And the old chief simply replied, the one you feed. So let's work now with our visualization. Feeding and cooperating with the forces of light. Lincoln thought as a soul, as a point of love and light. With all those people throughout the world who are working as well within this Triangles Meditation Group. It's aligned with the spiritual will. And sound the mantra. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Naught shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love, which underlies and infuses the network.
Now lift the consciousness to the world teacher who stands at the heart of love, at the center of the spiritual hierarchy, and also at the heart of each triangle. Hold the group mind open and receptive to the inpouring energy of love. Visualize light and goodwill circulating around the triangles from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. <clears throat> Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. 
Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause to consider the work to be done by the words as they're poured out. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, and as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. <clears throat> From the point of light, within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love, within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. I just wanted to briefly announce that on this coming Wednesday at 12 p.m. New York time, 5 p.m. in London, and 6 p.m. in Geneva, uh, World Goodwill is going to be offering a webinar. This will be a monthly webinar trying to um, provide a group platform for the use of the Goodwill Meditation which is a weekly meditative activity undertaken for many years by people all over the world who believe in the power of goodwill. So we invite you all. I believe you'll be getting an emailing announcing this meeting. And uh, so we hope to have you participating with us on Wednesday, again at 12 noon New York and 5 p.m. London time. So now uh, I'll turn it over to Alex. Hello, Alex. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much for inviting me and for your remarks on right thinking. I'm going to um, be taking it in a few different directions. 
And uh, but first, I want to thank you so much for this gathering every week and your wholehearted commitment to it. It's just grown and it's just wonderful to be here. So thank you so much. Okay, so uh, recently we had a very inspiring talk from Michael Galloway on creative meditation in which he said very significantly that preliminary to all true meditation work is the ability to focus the power of thought or concentrate. And the Yoga Sutras say that focusing the power of thought or sustained concentration is meditation, which then flowers forth as contemplation, illumination, and inspiration. So we can say then that concentration is the basis for all true spiritual knowledge and experience, as it is preliminary to raising our consciousness from the basement of the mind to higher abstract and intuitive levels where we can enter contact with the universal mind. So I should like to take up this topic of focus and the power of thought that Michael mentioned, seeing as it's essential to not only aspirational life, but to success and achievement in any aspect of work in the world. It's said in the same text that, in fact, tireless endeavor, constant effort is required to restrain the fluctuations of the mind. For concentration on an object or anything, we must first focus our attention on that thing. Where attention goes, energy flows. But without attention and later concentration, not only is there no meditation, but even in everyday activities, very little can be accomplished to our full satisfaction. And we would agree that key to being able to concentrate is a calm, orderly, unruffled mind, one that can focus on its object without being distracted. Well, this is where the subject of being able to concentrate on anything becomes very pertinent to us because maintaining focus in today's world is no small achievement. We are living at a time of much emotional and mental unease, even disease. Due to the great technological advances which have made instant communication and global connection possible and very useful. Nevertheless, the flip side is our hyperconnectivity and opportunities for excessive disintegration of the attention. So there's a whole world full of things out there beeping and bleeping for our attention, news flashes and notifications and apparent urgencies seeking our response, and now we've reached a crescendo of distraction. There's the story of a very clever cat that learned to serve coffee. As soon as he saw a mouse, he dropped all of it and ran for the mouse. So how many times in the day might we be like that cat? Even people of goodwill engaged in dedicated world service today can find themselves overwhelmed by demands and distractions and the many directions in which their attention can go. One of the ways to train the mind is through the ancient practice of mindfulness. This practice has become increasingly popular in our culture now as we are slowly becoming more mentally polarized and we're starting to learn to overcome the emotional nature. And more and more people are realizing that they have a mind, that it's often overstimulated or full of things not useful to them, and that they fortunately have some control over this. So this is a good practice for everyone in everyday life to recognize that the focus of our mind needs to be on the spot present with us, ready for our use. If it's miles away somewhere on something else, it's out of our control. 
it's not of use to us. And it's increasing the habit of dividing our attention. For the practice of mindfulness, no daily task is too menial. Because when we connect the mind with where we are and what we are doing, it's not then on limiting personality-driven thoughts. And it's less likely to be off creating mischief. We can learn from this practice to fasten our thought to whatever we choose. So this practice is very basic to the enormous capacity and power of the human mind for concentration and illumination. And yet, it is so basic that it is often the most overlooked. No matter how advanced we are on the path, all day, every day, we have to make choices as to what we think. Right thinking is clear thinking. It's based on right values and a sense of goodwill. It's not clouded with criticism, doubt, worry, and fear. And very simply, right thinking raises us up and wrong thinking brings us down. And because thought energy penetrates the mental bodies of other human beings, our thoughts take others up or down with us. This is a great responsibility to recognize. Thoughts are things, building blocks, and with each thought, and indeed each word, we are building, creating something. Thoughts are creative because energy follows thought, which is a form on the mental plane. And once it's created, it leads and it conducts energy according to its qualities. And our whole energy system responds to these energies. The nature of the thoughts we have determines the kind of energy that builds our life. So what do we want to build? What do we want to create? And how do we do that? Whether it's something personal, political, social, or spiritual, we can create a noble vision and a plan and we can hold to it, but it often requires fierce determination not to be deflected. There's a popular slogan being bandied about here in the UK at the moment, and it's about taking back control. It's a great battle between opposing political sides who each want to take control. But the real battle for control is with ourselves first. Are we in control of our own minds and hearts? Are we able to think clearly, critically, and with discernment? Can we see the need and the problem? Can we unemotionally outline solutions? Are we prepared to work towards those solutions? seeing what can be done and what cannot be done? Do we recognize others who have the same vision as ours? Do we support them with our thoughts and our speech? Will we work with them? How do we maintain our strength and focus and help others to do the same? There's so much to be done on the personal level before we change the world. But this work at a personal level is changing the world. We need, beyond the distraction and the impinging forces of fear and confusion, to reclaim our sovereign power of discernment, clarity, and focus, and build a lighted house wherein all humanity can dwell. And for any house, it's not enough if the foundations are only partially right. 
in our work, building an etheric web of triangles for our planet, a foundation upon which the greater plan for humanity can grow. The building blocks we use are our clear, focused thoughts and our higher, purified emotions. And those building blocks themselves are formed through our continuous daily effort of training the mind and the heart to think rightly. People ask, what can we do? This is something we all can do, and we really must do. Because in our lifetime, perhaps there's never been a greater need for real thinkers. And for those who are willing to dedicate their time, their light, and their energy to controlling and focusing their thought, raising their level of consciousness, and help, therefore, dissipate the astral miasma plaguing the world. This will not be accomplished by someone else somewhere else, nor by one leader or one nation, because even by the falling of water drops is the pot filled. And the Tibetan says this. He says, quote, I tell you that you are needed, even the very least of you, and I assure you that groups of students working in unison and with deep and unfaltering love for each other can achieve significant results. So here's a potent thought to take away with us from the master guide, the Lord Sri Krishna. He said, when the mind completely controlled is centered in the self, free from all earthly desires, then is the man truly spiritual. The wise man who's conquered his mind and is absorbed in the self is as a lamp which does not flicker since it stands sheltered from every wind. Know thyself then to be the undying one. Control thy mind, for through that mind, the undying one can be known. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. That was beautiful thoughts you shared with us. And I'm sure that our listeners have some thoughts they would like to share with the group and any thoughts they'd like to share with you, Alex. So if you would like to share something, please uh, type it in the chat box or click on your name in the participants box and there you can unmute your microphone and share audibly. So. Um, and someone's asking about the PDF of the talk. We've just attached that, so you can download it there from uh, the chat box. If you can't do that, sometimes you know, people are not able to, then you can go to the Triangles Meditation Group Facebook page where the, all the transcripts are uploaded, or on our website to the Triangles blog, and all transcripts will be uploaded in all, all those places, so you should be able to find it. There's a question, Alex? Yeah. How can we help? A question from... Um, I can't see the name. Joss Mikurhusu? Can we help to make right thinking... How can we help to make right thinking the basis of education? That's a very large subject, which I love to speak about. It's, it has to do with teaching clear thinking and critical thinking from a very early age. It needs to be in the curriculum. I think everybody agrees that now because we are, we're so 
were in such a state of confusion, uh, discerning fact from fiction and truth from untruth. And children need to be raised from an early age at, in the home, taught the difference between fact and fiction, and what's different between reality and super uh, science sci-fi. Um, they can learn to uh, develop their critical thinking skills from a very early age. There's very easy ways to do that. And so it really starts in the home. And yes, it needs to be in the curriculum in schools. I don't know if, you know, some schools have it now, like Steiner schools and this sort of thing. But um, critical thinking skills, ethics, uh, citizenship, um, things that teach discernment and um, right use of thought and clarity. And, of course, less time uh, on screens. <laughs> less time on screens in the world of unreality would be very helpful, too. <laughs> Um, James Mills says, uh, would you say that nurturing the attitude of gratitude is one which helps to build the lighted house? Absol absolutely. Um, I was just speaking about that gratitude, that when we actually express gratitude, we experience a, we experience a health-giving energy. Uh, that nourishes us. So, yes, um, obviously for right thinking, we ourselves need to be nourished, clear, and, uh, and supported by positive virtues and the practice of virtues. So gratitude is a very important virtue to practice and to actually express it uh, verbally. And, and aside from gratitude, the other thing, uh, the other um, practice that's comparable to that is appreciation. Power of appreciation is very powerful to express appreciation. It's a, a kind of uh, soul quality to actually vocalize it and tell people that you appreciate them. So that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, I see. I, uh, Robin Lee O'Shell. I notice my struggle with attention and thoughts that are not welcome as I work on my meditation. I hope that my mind will be silent one day as I continue to work. It seems as though my mind has a mind of its own. Are there any methods you can suggest to help aside from practicing more? So there's a lot to say on that, and you're not, you're not alone. And uh, the truth is that practicing concentration, pra practicing concentration helps meditation, and practicing meditation helps concentration. Now, it depends on how much habit we are working against. The first rule is not to give up and not to um, give in to, to failure. Like, I'll never be able to keep my mind still. We start just with a few moments and build on that. So it's not to expect too much of yourself because you're working against the force of habit and in fact the whole miasma of the world. So it's not to take personally. But one practice that I mentioned here of mindfulness, this helps to clear the mind as if we're actually present with our five senses during the day. And we're not you know, idling and dreaming. And as I said, letting the thoughts go off into mischief. So that's a very good practice to help prepare ourselves. And then when we sit for meditation, obviously offering it up with a prayer or a mantra. And, and as I said, I always suggest the best thing to do is to set a period of time. And I've said this to my, <laughs> I've said this to various students that if you say for five minutes now, I am going to focus on 
the seed thought, the object of my meditation, five minutes, not going to allow anything else to enter and just start that way. Uh, there's a lot to be said. I hope that helps a little bit. Yes. Oh, Diane says a practice that helps me is to learn not to follow the thought, just let them come and pass. So it's as if your mind has a mind. Well, that is brilliant because that takes us to the, um, the fact that we're the observer of the thoughts and when we can actually achieve that stance of observation and let those thoughts pass and rest in the observer because we're not those thoughts. You can't be that which you observe. So absolutely letting them pass and not following them and not clothing them with emotion is really valuable. It's like sitting on a mountaintop and watching the clouds go by, but you're very firm and you're very settled on that mountaintop. I hope that helps. The media, oh, that's an interesting comment. The media as food for thought often has a negative influence on your thinking. Select what you look at and listen. Well, absolutely. That's a whole other topic of conversation as well, which I've, I've spoken of at other, other times. Um, if, you, if you think about it, the media has an intention and a purpose. And this is something we can teach children in, you know, that question about education and at an early age is what's your own thought, which is your own thoughts, which you've discerned and you've developed and which are thoughts which you've heard elsewhere and which you've been told. Now, the propaganda developed um, really in a big way after the Second World War and advertising and uh, bias and now it's grown to massive proportions. So that's the first thing is to realize that, is to realize that we are taking in thoughts from the media which have a particular intention, which might not have anything to do with the house we want to build, our goal. So that's a whole other topic. When it comes to quietening the mind, Claire says, I find it helpful to foster embodied practices that can be deeply meditative, activities that involve making and connecting with the natural world through gardening, walking. Hands in the soil are a soul practice. Uh, thank you, Claire. Of course, Claire, beautiful artist, connected with nature, absolutely, with the five senses, seeing deeply. When Claire paints, um, she's seeing things that normally, you know, lots of us don't see because of that focus of attention. That's true artistry, isn't it? So that's something else we can practice. It's actually seeing what's in front of us and connecting with nature and the miracles that are in front of our eyes every single day instead of thinking, thinking, thinking. Uh, from Risa, in our Raja Yoga work, visualization is what helps the mind lift from emotions to the mind. Concentration grows when we use our creative imagination, our creative, absolutely, visualization. Yes, did I not mention that? Visualization, absolutely, absolutely, visualization. It requires concentration to stay with um, the object of our vi visualization. So that's lovely. Thank you for saying that. Um, to overcome unwanted thoughts, Patanjali recommends replacing a hindering thought with its opposite. Yes. Uh, when we have thoughts contrary to yoga, Patanjali says, um, create the opposite. Create the opposite thought. So that's one method indeed. Uh, sacred music is a great aid. Thank you, Helen. In concentration absolutely and for the person who asked the question about quieting their mind that's a few minutes of sacred music you know before we just sit down and fight with the mind just give oneself time to to um, rest in the self with beautiful music speaking to the challenge of right use of mind Arjuna and the Gita tells Krishna the mind is restless yes he says all that Impetuous, yes. 
it's wild, the wild horses of the five senses. But Arjuna is the chariot, Krishna's the charioteer, who's sitting in the chariot. Anyway, the five, five horses are the senses, and the reins are the mind, and we are the controller. Mm. All right. Thank you so much, Alex. <laughs> we have to stop. We have to stop. <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much. And uh, thank, thank you, everyone, for your participation here. And so we'd like to close with a moment of silence. Okay. Thank you, Alex, and thank you, everyone.